It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to The Game. I'm Gab Marcotti and I'm here with a reaction to an eventful New Year's program. To help me do that and to welcome in 2013, I'm joined by Tony Evans, Stuart Robson, and with his crystal clear Skype line, by popular request, it's Ollie Kay. In today's show, uh, we'll be having a look at the FA Cup, which kicks off for the big boys this weekend. But we start at Stamford Bridge. All right, Ali, I'm going to start with you because you were there, as was I. I want to get one thing out of the way very, very clearly. Rio Ferdinand, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, as a person, tweeted this morning, um, Aha! Further evidence that the Premier League is the most interesting, exciting in the world uh, because QPR beat Chelsea. Now, I personally feel that... Um, that's not what makes the Premier League the most exciting league in the world because um, it actually happens in other countries too all the time. And I'd argue that QPR, probably when QPR beat Chelsea, is the randomness that occurs when you get professional athletes and you don't give them time to train and you make them play too many games in a short period of time. Um, are you with me or are you with Rio? Uh, I'm with you, actually. I, yes. I, I don't think um, I, I don't Take think that, that is necessarily Rio. the greatest illustration of, uh, of of the Premier League's unpredictability. I think you know QPR um, have been dire this season. You look at their players; they are capable of getting results. You look at Chelsea's players, and although they're European champions, you know, they are a team in transition. They're they're vulnerable on occasions, and Chelsea have been flagging. I think QPR couldn't get any worse. It, it was a more level playing field than it perhaps might have been expected. Tony, we wrote a piece in, in, in the Times uh, where Rafa talked about before the game how well his rotation system works and how necessary it was and how thanks to the system everybody's well rested and fresh and, and whatever. Um, and then he plays Marco Marin, uh, Oscar and Moses behind Fernando Torres and Chelsea can't get anything going. Is this God being mean to Rafa once again or... Is it actually that Rafa's right? You got to rotate, but you play these guys and they're not good. Marin's not good. I've never been the greatest fan of rotation. Um, it's one of those areas that I differ with Rafa on. You know, I understand Chelsea have played a lot and he's, you know, the, the, the struggling a little bit. But at this stage, if you take away the trip to Japan, everyone's played a lot. You know, I would have put the best team I could out. And then um, I'm worried about things further down the line. Um, having said that, you know, we always derive Harry Redknapp from not being a tactical 
manager, but he's coming. He's got his tactics spot on, hasn't he? He's, you know, he's uh, he's played very deep. No strikers. You know, he's parked the bus there and nicked one. So I mean, you know, it happens. As for the most exciting league in the world, oh come on, Rio! And anyone who thinks this is a wonderful league is delusional. I think it is a wonderful league, Tony. Are you calling me deluded? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because you know, defending is a forgotten art. You but know, you just like, praised Harry Redknapp for defending and for, for parking the bus and, and defending with, uh, you know, he, 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 for, 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 by the way, for those who didn't see, right? So he plays a back four, right? He's got Nelson and, and Clint Hill at the back. He's got the two fullbacks. He's got, you know, Stefan Bia, who's, who's the size of a large refrigerator, and, and Sean Derry, who, who doesn't really move but kind of occupies space, um, with Granero. Mackey and Sean Wright Phillips, who, who, who came on for, for Hoyle early on, are basically adjunct fullbacks. The one attacking impetus comes from Adele Tarapt, who's wonderfully skilled, and, you know, he's too good for you as a QPR fan saying, but the guy doesn't actually but, run or well, move okay. or whatever. Well, well, let's just stop there. Withdrawing everyone deep and playing everyone deep is not the earth of defending. It's flooding areas. I mean, it's not defending with any particular intelligence. It's playing the percentages. I'm talking about defending being a lost earth. People who know how fullbacks who know how to use the line, centre-earths who know how to use space, and, and I'm, I'm talking about defending as a platform to attack and being secure at the back. Now, we've got this haphazard league where everyone's scoring tons of goals or everyone's parking the bus when there's no real defending, no skills of intending, no intelligent defending, well, very little going on. You are absolutely spot on, Tony. I, you know, it, it's, it's refreshing to hear that, that, that somebody speaks the same sort of language as, that I do about defending. The, the game in the Premier League, they've lost the art to defend. Mm. And you're quite right. All that QPR did, yes, they got numbers behind the ball, they flooded... Chelsea did it last year and they won the, the European. It wasn't great defending. They got numbers and eventually people couldn't quite get through them. And when you're, you're tired, it's harder to, to, to break teams down because you've got to supply the impetus. And that's what happened with Chelsea last night. I can't say that QPR played fantastic well, fantastically well. They got numbers behind the ball. They scored a goal on the counter-attack late on in the game. Uh, and they just defended with resilience. They didn't defend with intelligence, I don't exactly. think. It's the art of riding your luck. You know, if you look at QPR, or even if you look at Chelsea winning the Champions League, what they did, they got bodies back. They didn't snuff out the chances. Against Barcelona, the chances were still there. The great defenders stopped the chances. Liverpool, in, and I go to Liverpool, Liverpool in the 70s and 80s, when they were the best team in world football, not only would they pass you off the field, you couldn't get a kick against them. You know, as a midfield player, going to Anfield, if you, if you got... Six or seven touches on the ball, you were lucky because they knew how to defend. They knew how to press the ball. They knew how to defend balls. We played in behind. They, they when they had the ball, they played really well. That's top class play. Mourinho at Chelsea when Chelsea were the top side. Not only were they good on the ball, they didn't allow you to play. They didn't just sit back and defend deeply. They understood how to defend. Barcelona in their own way. If you can play beyond their initial pressure, you can get at them. But they have a defensive strategy and they do it really well all over the field and and particularly in the front areas. Ollie, there's uh, so much nodding and agreement in the studio. Do you want to provide some some dissent here and, and maybe stick up a little bit for Harry? Uh, well, I, I would say that uh, I, I would agree with Stuart and Tony about about the quality of defending in the Premier League, which written a, a few times this season has been has been dire. I mean, particularly you look at the, the way they defended in the Champions League. Uh, it, it's been it's been shown really how, how poor the defending is. I think the most important thing in, in many ways from from where they were on Sunday. I mean, to, I mean, they, he must have been furious with them at half time on Sunday when they were three 0 down to Liverpool. Redknapp's handling of the team. 
after Sunday. I mean, he, he had the choice of savaging them um, in his post-match press conference, opted not to, went to try to encourage them and coax them into the belief that they could still stay up. And I, I think it, it's about cajoling players and giving them belief that they that they still amount to something sometimes. it's um, I, I think that sort of softer approach and cajoling, encouraging approach probably worked well for them and was probably a big factor in them. Um, making sure that they perform for the first time in weeks. With Fernando Torres, we, the impression certainly has been that he has to play every game and it's not really down to the manager. Also, now he really has no other strikers there with uh, with Sturridge gone. Demba Ba is coming in. I got the impression that Torres was even worse than usual because now on top of everything else, he's also physically knackered um, because he has to play every single game and they play a lot of games. Um how do you think Rafa's going to deal with that? Well, I think, I mean, obviously, Temper Pearl will give him options. I mean, Torres looks like a player who needs a rest. I mean, he's also uh, apparently been spending a lot of time on the weights because to build up his upper body, uh, the general feeling was he's getting knocked off the ball too easy. Um, you know, so, I mean, he, he looks a feel he's a a little rest we got the FA Cup coming up you know he'll probably uh, sit him down for that um, who knows whether he'll play him against Swansea next week in the League Cup um, what, what, what if he sits him Dembaba assuming he comes and I understand it's not quite done uh, as we're taping this but what if he sits him and Dembaba whoever plays up front does very well and I, then I'm sure he'll go Fernando to, gets unhappy I'm sure he'll go to two up top and see how that works out uh, maybe drop off Demba Bar a bit deeper and have Torres running past him um, Are, would he really go just just to keep Torres in the lineup he'd really go and, and, and play two up top and you know forget Hazard Mata all these other guys Oscar who are good and who can play is it you really? Is your reading really that there's so much pressure on the manager to play this guy at all costs? Well, I think the suspicion is that the owner likes them to play. Torres, <laughs> you, know, um, you know. I mean, I mean, the bottom line is, I think Rafael do whatever he needs to do to win, um, and I think he thinks he can get goals out of Torres. At what point do you think Rafa's opinion might change? Um, and, and, and at what point, where, 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 Stuart, do you think he gets to the conclusion that, all right, you know, I'm kind of damned if I do, damned if I don't. If, if I play these guys, if I play this guy, you know, there are going to be situations where it is like playing like 10 men. And if I don't play him, then maybe the owner will get upset. But maybe the owner will wake up one day and be like, hey, you know, there's no team in the world that has one center forward who plays him all the time, every minute of every game. And on top of that, he isn't good. No, he's going to have to rotate him at some point because the centre forward will get to it, and particularly if you're playing up front by yourself. But when I look at Torres, he's not the same player he was three years. Not because of any formation, not because of players playing in the wrong positions behind him or not feeding in the right ball. He's not the same player. When I saw him play for Liverpool, when he balls were played over the top, he looked as though he could outrun people. I don't think he can outrun people now. When he picked the ball up in the inside left position, he'd run at the run at the the, the defender, check one way, check the other, and get a shot in at goal. He doesn't ever look as though he's going to do that anymore that's down to him as an individual he's lost confidence he's lost speed he's lost the ability to go past players again that's why they're looking at trying to get his strength up Hmm. because they think his pace isn't as where it was mm. and he gets knocked off the ball if you catch him so you know they're trying to get him you know, so, so he can uh, withstand those challenges Oli is this the single most bizarre thing in, in football the fact that you've got the champions of Europe who go into the season with just two people who can play up front um, and they just don't address this I mean is, 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 is your sense really that the, that the people deal with this as normal that the people at Chelsea Football Club or football people 
you know, don't see this. It just seems so blindingly obvious to me. There is, I don't think in the history of the universe there is another team that has done this. There, there was a view last season that, that Torres was slightly cowed by the uh, by the presence of, uh, of Drogba and, and that he needed to be the sort of undisputed um, first choice centre forward if he was to thrive. And I think the um, the sort of rationale behind that has been exposed as being extremely flimsy. I mean, I think he's been awful the last two games, to be quite honest. Um, but the, the, someone. I mean, Sky um, flashed up a statistic pre-match yesterday where they said that he had 30 goal attempts um, in 20 games. 30 goal, or it was 33 or something like that. But when you're playing in that team as the one striker, starting every week with, with those creative players behind you. And, and, I mean, I, I, I think he's... I think he's shown in the first half of this season, although he's still scored a few, I think he's shown that, I think he's finished as a top, top, top level player. And I think Denver Bar will come in and he'll score more goals than, than Torres does. Torres will be back to square one. Right. Um, Frank Lampard, uh, just just to wrap this, Ollie, what's your what's your information? Did, did I see you get into a Twitter conversation with somebody where, where you suggested that um, they haven't reached out to Frank at all? Yep, yep, that's right. My, my understanding, and it's um, and it's based on very solid information, is, is that there has not been an offer. There's no, there have not been negotiations at all with Lampard, um, and the club are happy to let him go. And I, I think that's ridiculous because I know he's, um, you know, I know he's 34. I know he's on big money, but. What would Manchester United do in the same situation? What what did Man United do with Skulls and Neville and Giggs and all these people? What what United do is that they realise the value of someone like that, and people sort of characterise Lampard as being some huge ego and player power and all this kind of thing. And Lampard had any relationship whatsoever with Abramovich or with the people who run the club, he would get a long-term contract in the same way that Hilario and... So Lampard Alec and Terry, and Lampard and Terry have no Lamp- real influence Lampard over is, the club. Um, he's a victim of... Well, he's going to be a victim of what is is clearly a, a, a very firm decision to um, reduce the, the wage bill at any cost. And, and, and I think, you know, Matthew Syed wrote a, you know, strongly argued the case for that um, earlier in the week but he was characterising it as a, as a sort of hard-nosed business decision head ruling heart and, and I don't think there is I, I don't think Chelsea are using their head in this in this case I, I think it's ludicrous to let him go I think he's still one of their best players certainly one of the most reliable players so so ju- just to be clear on this for those who have missed the point they haven't even asked him if he wants to take a pay cut, which would kind of suggest that this is a hard-nosed business decision that isn't true because it's not as if he wants to keep the same money he's on. They haven't even discussed the, the negotiations at all. But, uh, Stuart, I want to mention you because I think you, were, you, were, you wanted to jump in there. One of the feedback or one of the feedbacks I've been getting in general um, about Lampard is that anybody who's spent some time with him, and I've been fortunate enough to do that, knows that He's not just more intelligent than 99% of footballers. He's more intelligent than 99.9% of people. I mean, I think this is just kind of an obvious fact. Um, and I think in football, that makes many people uncomfortable to be yeah. to have somebody who's intelligent and occasionally outspoken and questioning. And you can probably see where I'm going with this, Stuart. Yeah. But... Um, and, and I got this from, from the England coaches a while back who weren't quite sure. I mean, as, as one, one person who's worked with Lampard put it, 
um, he says, stupid people are very comfortable with Frank. And in football, there's many people who are not very intelligent, not very questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are slightly above average intelligence like me, we kind of, and this is not me saying this, uh, it's this person who's uh, who I'm quoting, says, like, we're not sure about him because we can tell that he's very bright and possibly a bit potentially manipulative and he could use his intelligence for good or for evil and so you kind of want to move him away and I I mean is that kind of the way the football fraternity when you get somebody like that yeah it it certainly can be because a a lot of managers uh, aren't particularly intelligent and if somebody's questioning of them and can cause them a problem that's when they that's when they're quite often got rid of Lampard I think is a better influence on Chelsea than John Terry is although the the, 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 uh, Chelsea fans always think that John Terry is the kingpin but I'd wonder how many managers Lampard and Terry have had an influence in getting rid of you know and and if the board has been uh, ruthless or, or Bremich has been ruthless with uh, managers there's no reason why he can't be ruthless with players and if they feel as though it's now time for Frank Lampard to go it's time for Frank Lampard to go well, I think the manager Chelsea at the moment, you know, thinks there is value in keeping Frank Lampard. He thinks he's a very intelligent player, and the the, the cleverness that Lampard might that might scare some people certainly doesn't scare Benitez. That would be the interim manager at Chelsea, which is probably why his weight in whether Lampard stays or goes well, isn't his influence isn't as great as see, it could be. You see, whether he's the interim manager or the manager depends on whether they've won or they've lost. When they win eight nil, right. he's just a manager. When they get beat, he's the interim manager. <laughs> But you do agree that if, if if he had a three year deal right now, he might have he might be able to persuade the owner to keep Lampard around. Yeah. Yeah. We're after the St. Mary's now, Southampton and Arsenal. Um this one finished one one and now Stuart, my impression was that um Southampton deserved all three points and that, you know, Arsenal after maybe first five, ten minute spell just kinda went all flat. You got it absolutely right. For ten minutes, Southampton couldn't uh, couldn't get the ball. They defended too deeply, and suddenly they got a couple of tackles in high up the field. The crowd got behind them, and I thought Adkins' game plan was absolutely superb. And Arsenal didn't know how to cope with it. They didn't play particularly well, and that's what you get with Arsenal. You get two decent performances, then you get a bad one. And if you play football off the cuff, if you don't have a strategy both defensively and with the ball, you're always going to end up with performances like Arsenal had there. Tony, why didn't he rotate? I mean, he played this, the, the the same group that had um, that had beaten a very tired and leggy Newcastle team. Um, were you a bit surprised by that? Well, not really. I mean, he hasn't got the greatest amount of choice there, has he? I mean, you know, it's uh, you look at that squad, and who are you going to be rotating too many of them in and out? Coughlin, a bit of Ramsey. He's got some defenders. Yeah, well, Ramsey hasn't been playing well at all, has he, for, for quite a while. I mean, since, you know, he hasn't played well this year. Um, you know, he looks as if he's struggling um, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there was a lot of rotation there. The thing is... Again, I think the the result against Newcastle was deceptive. I mean, it was fairly close until you know at, at three all, well, fifteen minutes ago, and then all of a sudden Newcastle lose the ball when they're attacking, don't track back because they're tired, and then you know and all of a sudden the game's out of reach. Um, you know, it's um, and uh, you know turns into a rout. And again, the mythology. Oh, this is why the Premier League's great. Actually, it, it you know it, I just thought it was, it was showed all the flaws in it. But you know the thing is, Arsenal are not that good a side. And they, they they can't afford really. To, well, they can't afford to go into games without a plan. I think Stuart said it perfectly. And they do. They look all over the place. They, they look as if there's no. 
there, there is a philosophy there, and the philosophy is good football. But you know, there's nothing underpinning it. They, you know, they don't look as if there's any system there. They don't look as if they've come out with a thought process of how they're going to beat teams like Southampton. And that's been that's been the case for for several years now. Because it's okay when things are going well and your players are playing well and you play around pressure and there's loads of pace in the side and you're scoring goals and you're winning games and you're playing high up the field. But when things start to go wrong, that's when you need to say, or you're not playing at your best, or you're tired, whatever it is that Arsene Wenger uses as excuses at times, you have to have a basic game plan. This is how we're going to defend. This is how we're going to win the ball back. This is where our starting point is on the field. This is what we're going to do. You look at the players, they're looking around at each other. Oh, you know, It's not quite going our way. The passes were going astray. There's nobody then being able to say, right, come on, let's get back to basics. It there's, just doesn't work because they haven't got a game plan. There's no outlet ball when they're under pressure. There's no, you know, there's no plan there where you know they can knock the ball. Someone can hold it, and then they can they, they can push up. It's, it's all it's all haphazard. And Ali, these two are being so negative about Arsenal. Do you want to balance out the debate by saying some nice things, um, or do you join their do you join them in their nattering negativity? Well, they 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 they'd won four on the run till till the other day, didn't they? I mean, I, I, I agree that. Um, you know that papered over the cracks somewhat, but it's. Um, I mean, I, I. I think people have got to be realistic about Arsenal. They, they have not got anything like as good a group of players as, as they did two or three years ago, which, which in turn weren't anything like as good a, as a group of players they had sort of three or four years prior to that. And I think people have got to be realistic about Arsenal's changed circumstances their diminished circumstances and if you look at the players they've lost and you look at the players who come in that's all the reason all the more reason for hysteria they've lost quality (laughs) players they've got a pile of poo in well, I, I know, I know. It's it's a reason for for why they're in this situation, and I, I, I mean, everybody accepts that. But 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 they, I think, the idea that Wenger has lost the plot because his players aren't as good as they as they were. You know, that this group of players isn't as good as the group of players from three years ago or six years ago, or whatever. Things. Well, I'm going to have to pull. I'm going to have to pull you up on this because you know you, you're saying all these things, and it's, it's not just about the players. It's about there's no coaching going on at the football club. They aren't developing the players that they want. Some of the players that Arsene Wenger's bought, they've come to the club as good players. I've seen them play around the world, and they've been yeah. decent players. And now they're worse than they were before they came to the football club. The reason being, there's no game plan. And if your players aren't quite as good, then you have to be a better coach, and you have to see what the problems are. And if the problems keep happening time and time and time again, as they've happened over the last five years, it means that the Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Coaching isn't good enough or the manager can't see the problems. And in my view, the manager can't see the problems because he doesn't address them and he, he doesn't see them. That's the problem. He well, doesn't see them. Hey, sorry, can I ask you, just, just, sorry, if I just jump in there. No. Steve Bold, right? He's like some kind of genius. He sort out the defense and this and that. Is is he not a balancing influence well, on? But, on the, but this, is, this has been or, the or, major or problem. I don't know whether any of you were at the press conference where, after three or four games, somebody said in the press conference, uh, you know, Arsenal are defending much better. Steve Bowles done a fantastic job, and Arsene Wenger went almost ballistic that it had nothing to do with Steve Bold. He was still in charge. Nothing had changed. And then two games later, when they concede goals against Chelsea, he almost suggested, well, Steve Bold, well, you know, what are you going to say about him now? So yeah, it's Steve Bold's fault. Well, Steve Bold isn't having any influence on the team. He's not allowed to because Arsene Wenger takes the training. He had a great ally in Pat Rice who just put the cones out, took the warm-ups, and that's all he did. Steve Bold is now doing similar sort of things. And that's, I think, a real crime because Steve Bold is a decent coach. The number of people... Who, who've come out, there's two things in particular which just really get my goat. And it's from certain people who come out and say, well, um, they should have signed Theo up two years ago. It's a no-brainer. You always signed somebody up just two years ago. And Manchester United would have never let a player get to this stage. And the second one is completely demented and idiotic because I remember a fairly well-known Manchester United player, in fact, United's captain, who um, allowed his contract to run all the way down, uh, if you recall, at Manchester United. Uh, and that was that was Roy Keane. Um, and I remember Rio Ferdinand also letting his contract run, uh, maybe not all the way down, but certainly um, let it run quite a ways down. So that's completely demented and idiotic. In my view, Arsenal have actually handled Theo, Walk- Theo Walcott's situation correctly thus far. They've, they've played the percentages. They've said, look, he's worth this much to us. They see his development every day in training. And they're in a position to say, all right, he could become a superstar. He could be a squad player on a, on a Champions League caliber team. We think it's this much. And I also think Arsenal were stung by when they did just what all these people are suggesting in extending somebody's deal when they had two years left, when they gave... Nicholas Bender, that gigantic deal, and now the guy's like a big Danish millstone around their neck. Uh, am I wrong here, Ollie? Help me. Uh, I, I, th- I think you are wrong. I, I think um, I think what Arsenal's responsibility was to do was to protect their asset. I'm, I'm sure it will cost them more money to do it now than than it would have done had they had they sorted out a year ago. I, I think you know you, you do use the example of Roy Keane, but that was that was 1999. Um, and they knew that he wanted to stay because he was, you know, because they were the best team in Europe at the time. They were European champions. It wasn't. It wasn't quite the situation where you've you've already had an exodus of players from Arsenal, partly because of the wage structure, partly because of the um, lack of success. And I think the two things are related. And they are in danger of losing yet another key player. And, and I, I don't think he's 
I don't think he's a brilliant, brilliant player. I don't think ordinarily he would be worth a club shattering their wage structure for. But I, I think you look at Arsenal, he is one of their more effective players. He is a very effective Premier League player. Yes, he's got gaps in his game, but I think he's worth them bending their, their wage structure to, to, to try and keep him. It's something they shouldn't have allowed to arise. Tony, um, he's also somebody who's come out and said that he wants to play as a centre forward. Now, if I'm a manager, you know, that kind of sets off alarm bells for me. I mean, I kind of think, like, sorry, who the hell are you to come and tell me this? And it seems to me Arsenal have been predicated, rightly or wrongly, on having a certain type of center forward, which is why they signed Olivier Giroud, who's big and strong, and and Theo Walcott's not big and strong. He's a totally different type of player. Um, should that come into the equation when, uh, when when considering whether to extend his deal or not? If I'm the manager, I call him into my office and I flush his head down the toilet. Um, <laughs> he plays where I want to play. That is the problem. If they do do a deal for Walcott, it's 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 one player too late, isn't it? It's it's you know Walcott is not the person that we you, you you change everything for. You make you stand there for the stand should have come a long time ago, and the, you know they should have done it to players who have a higher quality, and you know they got themselves into a situation where Van Persie was never going to stay in a million years but you know perhaps the deal should have been done for him earlier and it's kind of like you do the deal for Walcott the horse has bolted hasn't it well you, you're absolutely right Tony again I keep agreeing with you in the 80s they sold they got they, they had to, to sell uh, Liam Brady they had to sell Frank Stapleton their two best players went away one to Manchester United one to Juventus so then they panicked into giving David O'Leary who was another player that people were talking about a massive contract which he, which he, which he was way beyond what he was worth and it's going to happen to Theo Walcott now Theo Walcott wasn't playing in the team at the start of the season he couldn't get in the side Oxley chamberlain was well, in it was because they were also no, it, was, it was a contractual thing if you well. look at Theo Walcott's appearance records over the years he is not he's, he's only started around about 50% of the games and until he scored the two goals against Tottenham he was I would have thought he was out of the club almost the fans were, were, were crucifying him he had a terrible first half against uh, Tottenham 2011-12 was the first season that he he's finishing his much better he's, fi- he's, fif- he's, he's finishing his much better than it ever was he's now composed finish, and you've got to give him credit and he is a threat with his pace but as an all round footballer in terms of intelligence technical ability and game understanding he's way down in the Arsenal pecking order Personally, I would let him go at this stage. Sell him to to your mate Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool, who could use another winger. And, and how are they going to pay the wages? What? How are they going to pay the wages? He's a Liverpool fan. He'll take a take a pay cut to go to Liverpool, right? But, he said it. He said it. Are they going to have a times. whip rounds on the cup? What? Well, it's okay when you when you when you sell Andy Carroll to West Ham, you can divert his wages to pay for to pay for Theo. Um, a word on uh, oh, and that way you've got Alec Oxide Chamberlain, who I think is pretty good, and you know back him, give him playing time. Uh, I want to get I wanna, a word on, on Southampton because um, there's all this negativity surrounding Atkins and the club a couple of weeks ago, and I thought. In that game, certainly, you know, with, 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 without Lilana, who, mm-hmm. from what I've seen, is easily their best player and mm-hmm. probably their second most gifted player um, as well, he's, he's working it out. And he's working it out, you know, without maybe some of the big signings like Jay Rodriguez and Gaston Ramirez making a huge impact. But 
it seems to me like he's making out actually the old-fashioned way by actually coaching and getting players to play better. Well, he had a great game plan against Arsenal. He realised, and if anybody's seen Kieran Gibbs, yeah, he's all right going forward. He's not a bad, got a bad left foot. But the one thing he doesn't like is balls being played in behind him. So they played Jason Punchin. He's not a good 1v1 defender. High and wide down the right-hand side. So he was the out ball all the time. They realised they could get space if they had good movement between the front two. They pressurised the balls in the right places. They forced it to go into Bakary Sanya, who hasn't, then didn't have a forward pass because they blocked that one off. And they knew that he'd have to try and play into midfield, but they got tight in there. They did brilliantly. And you could tell they had a game plan unlike Arsenal I mean the main problem they've got is they need defenders and you know the, the goalkeeper's liability as well I mean I think they'll spend a little bit of money in the transfer window and I think they'll stay up Ollie you get the final word are they staying up I would say yeah I think it'll go down to the last day or last day or thereabouts now I would say that even if they add to their squad if they get somebody in who can perhaps shore things up a little bit at the back whether it's defender midfielder goalkeeper whatever I, I think um, I think they can snap it's the third round of the FA Cup this weekend and it seems like every January we talk about this and the excitement and I, I actually have a, a friend who says that the draw for the third round is often more exciting than the third round itself, and I sometimes tend to agree. But, uh, Tony, what are you excited about? This is what's wrong with football, that people are not excited about third round weekends. You know, the fact that it's thrown together minnows and giants, and everything's possible. And no, no, we'd rather watch the Premier League. We'd rather see a team win, win 7-3, one team against them. No, it's the greatest, the best weekend ever in the history of man. Kind, Stuart. Once again, I'm going to have to agree with Tony because, you know, I always, uh, uh, yes, I'm, I'm biased because I work on the FA Cup, but. You know, I love the FA Cup. I think it's a, a, a great competition. I love the third round. I love all the way to the final. And I just think that the fact that a minnow can beat a, a, a top side, the fact that managers are under pressure for the top sides if they lose against the lower leagues. For, for all that people say it doesn't matter, managers have to pl- have to win against lower league well, opposition. Would you like to be Brendan Rodgers going to Mansfield? On Absolutely Sunday? not. Because if they lose that, he's, he'd be under more pressure mm. than any of the Stop Premier League games he's lost. You think if Brendan Rodgers is going to get sacked this year? Does anybody really believe that? No, he's not going to get sacked. Okay, so what does he care? So I lose to Mansfield. Okay, I'll give you he's another one. Go out and say, oh, my possession stats, we had 80%, blah, blah, blah. He'll be judged where he finishes in the league. Do you I'll, really I'll think... I'll give you another example. Brendan Rodgers care. He won't be judged by where he finishes in the league. What will he be judged on? Forward progress. I think Possession be, stats. Shots on goal. I, I think he'll be judged on being Fenway Sports Group's appointments. That's all. Okay, well, <laughs> fair enough. But, it's not, but, but it, you know, when you're a manager, you know, even if you know you're not going to get sacked, it's like life is uncomfortable when the fans are criticising you, when the press are criticising you, when, you know, getting beat by Mansfield, there'd be misery around Anfields. You know, the, 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 the FA Cup, I'm a Liverpool fan, everyone knows that. The FA Cup has a massive significance to us you know winning in 1965 was the moment that we arrived Everton couldn't say the Mersey millionaires they couldn't say we were second class citizens anymore we'd won everything they'd won then you know it's one of them it means something the FA Cup means something and you know it was a big gloom and doom you know it's a, it, it, it's a brilliant competition and for, for more than a decade people have talked it down and people have like you know treated it like it's 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 not and it's just it's, it's one of the worst scandals of modern football 
And the only reason it's like that is because there's not the same money as the Premier League. Money yeah. talks, and that's that's why everyone talks well, about I, the Premier I, League. I, I um, again, I, I need you to. Uh, were, these two were being negative before. Now they're being uber positive about the FA Cup. Um, I might suggest it's probably not just about money. It's also about clubs fielding understrength teams in in the FA Cup as, as they sometimes do um, and the fact that there are other options as well unlike the past but um, I, I don't I like the FA Cup I don't mind the FA Cup the one I absolutely hate and refuse to speak about is that other stupid competition that's sponsored by Capital One um, but Where's your take? What's your take on this? He hates enough to give the sponsors a boost there. <laughs> he, you know, he's, he's mentioned the sponsors. You're everything that's wrong with football. Everything. Why don't you go have a Budweiser <laughs> while watching your FA Cup games this weekend? I, um, I, I like the FA Cup a lot. I mean, it has, you know, there are times when you, you look at third round games, fourth round games, and, and perhaps, you know, say it's somebody like, a Wigan at home and it's not, nothing against Wigan it's just that they often struggle for attendances and sometimes a home game for them against a low division team you will get a smaller crowd but you look at somewhere like Mansfield this weekend Mansfield who dropped out of the league whatever it was five, five and a half years ago they're playing Liverpool they've got whether they win or not that is a great day in Mansfield's history you know, you've got Swansea v Arsenal Crawley v Reading West Ham v Man United it, maybe it'll be one of those competitions which sort of peaks in the third round and then it sort of descends into sort of predictability later on but I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it I'm going to uh, Swansea uh, uh, Swansea Arsenal on Sunday which I think will be a great game so much that you're going to watch the two Premier League sides yeah uh, and then I'm going to Cheltenham versus Everton on, on, on Monday I cannot wait to go to Cheltenham I've have you been to Cheltenham Tony? Um, I refer to it as Nam and it's uh, you know <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is a hard pace. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm told. Just to wrap this, do we need to? It seems like every year, um, newspapers are filled like. I, there's two pieces, right? It's a positive piece, the magic of the FA Cup. Negative piece is what can we do to resurrect the FA Cup? It kind of seems to me like it's sort of doing fine. It's not of overarching importance the way it might have been in the 60s and 70s, but that's fine. It does. 60s and 90s. And, 90s, I don't know, but uh, but 90s, yes, sure, whatever. But it doesn't. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, these are compelling matches, and you know. I'll tell you what, I was sicker at Wembley this year when Chelsea beat us, when that final whistle went. I was sicker then than, you know, oh, if we haven't finished fourth. I didn't, give a, I didn't give a toss about finishing fourth. I was just devastated. Would you be more devastated if Liverpool got relegated? If they got relegated, well, it wouldn't be good. I mean, clearly. But I don't, you know. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of how important the FA Cup can be. A little while ago, Arsenal were, uh, this was about five years ago, four or five years ago, Arsenal were top of the league by five points with a game in hand. The very next weekend, they went to Manchester United and fielded an understrength. And Arsene Wenger lied about the players being fit because he had them all on the bench. He said, they're not fit. Our senior players aren't fit. They were all on the bench. And Arsenal lost the game 4-0. So they had a great goodwill factor going into the game. And then he put out that team. They lost. They were 3-0 down at halftime. And they didn't try a leg. 10,000 supporters were behind the goal at one end, uh, Arsenal supporters and the crowd turned and Arsenal hardly won another game for seven weeks on the back of that result and if Arsenal fans need a, a trophy at some point if they lose to Swansea Arsene Wenger will be under even more impression, pressure than he, if he loses to Manchester City in the home game at uh, the Emirates 
I do have a prayer for the FA Cup, which is this. Um, for those ties I will be watching on television, when it is a non-league team or, um, or, or a League Two side against a so-called big team, I just hope that it's a, a close game and not one of those things where, you know, the, the, the uber favorite scores twice in the first 15 minutes and then the rest of the game peters out. And when that happens, it stinks. But I guess it makes it all the more um, special and exciting when the, the, the minnow hang in there until the very end, right? Yeah, well, without doubt. I mean, you know, one of the things about football, which has made it the game it was over the years, was the build-up in tension and when things unexpected happen. You know, it's um, you know, for example, so you know, in the, in the old days, you know, there weren't that many goals, and when a goal came, it'd be a release of tension. Everyone would be happy. Now you see ten in a game, and they don't kind of matter anymore. <laughs> the same way with minnows. You know, it's a uh, if the if if the minnows won every year, FA Cup shocks wouldn't be cup shocks. It'll be FA Cup. Normal events, so yeah, so it doesn't happen very often. But that means you got to treasure it when it happens, and that's what we get one this year. And let's hope it's not Liverpool. Sorry, you mean let's hope it's not Liverpool, as in like let's hope a minnow like Liverpool don't win the FA Cup. <laughs> yeah, it, what mid-table? Yeah. yeah, well, that's that's all mid-table teams can hope for. <laughs> Time now for some quick hits. Luis Suarez scores twice as Liverpool beats Sunderland 3-0. Tony, he's getting a new little buddy up front, Daniel Sturridge. How's that going to work out? Also, did you happen to notice how many of Liverpool's goals yesterday came from short, intricate passing moves? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I was going to work out with Sturridge. Mm, who knows? Um, the manager didn't want him in the summer, so why does he suddenly want him now? I don't see it being a particularly good fit. I think Sturridge thinks he's a better player than he is. I think he's selfish. I think uh, they're talking about shifting Suarez out wide to the left. Um, The proof will be in the pudding, but I don't like it. Manchester United romp all over Wigan 4-0, and Robin van Persie scores twice. Ollie, that £24 million spent, plus the enormous wages over four years, kind of looks like a bargain now. Uh, Do you think we'll still be talking about it as a bargain come the end of his contract? Well, four years, as you say, I mean, he's on 200,000 a week. So I think once you've put the transfer and wages in, it will probably be about 65 million pounds over the course of his contract. That is a hell of a lot of money, considering we, he's 29 now, he'll be 33 then. But I think if he stays fit, stays injury free, I, I think he'll be a really, really good signing if you wanted. Manchester City plays some of their best football of the season as they roll over Stoke 3 0. Uh, Stuart, Njeko is looking pretty good up front. Uh, should he be starting in place of Tevez? Uh, I still think Tevez and Aguero are the best two front players he's got and they've got a good understanding with each other and I think they should have stuck with the back three that they played with right at the start of this in pre-season I thought it worked well with Yaya Toure playing behind those two they looked unstoppable in that time but for some reason he didn't go with the back three uh, until about the fourth or fifth game and then it didn't quite work for him and it's meant that uh, Tevez and Aguero haven't been able to play up front always by themselves it's been one of them in a wider and that doesn't work so I still think those are the best two but Dzeko is playing better now Joe Cole is on the verge of joining West Ham Tony, is he a natural fit for Sam Allardyce's progressive brand of football? Uh, well, is Joe Cole a natural fit for football at the moment? Um, I doubt it. Um, no, it's a strange decision. Um, although they're only apparently going to be paying £50,000 of his wages. Uh, Liverpool make up the rest with a, a payoff of £3 million. Um, he struggled. He struggled for fitness. Is that coming out of Roy Hodgson's severance? or? <laughs> What Liverpool do best is make payoffs. Um, no, I, I don't see uh, it's it, it's going to work there. Um, certainly, 
I mean, you know, you can argue about Joe Cole all you like. He's, you know, is he the great lost talent of English football, or is he just a waster? Um, I think the truth's somewhere in between, and I don't see this being a successful um, move by West Ham. I like the idea of Joe Cole going back home personally Everton just won't go away Ollie what do the Toffees need if anything to be playing Champions League football next season uh, well, if you look at, if you look at their bench last night, I mean, it's, they are. I mean, they, they don't have the strength and depth uh, that their rivals have. What they do have is a great resilience, a great spirit. They've got some very good players, notably Baines and Fellaini, who I think are, are, are outstanding. Um, I still feel that Everton will will fall just short. So, to answer my question: was what they need is more players and more depth. Exactly. Spurs are now up to third in the table. Uh, Stuart, is AVB surpassing your expectations? Say something. Nice, will you? Well, I saw uh, AVB's Porto team and I thought they were outstanding. I knew exactly what they were trying to do. Yes, they at times played too high an offside line, which I thought would always be a danger. He wasn't given a fair crack of the, the whip at Chelsea. Uh, and we go back to the Lampard issue and Terry issue. They didn't fancy him at all. I think he's a good coach. I like to see a, a manager being a, a coach. He goes out on the training field. He knows exactly what's he, what he wants. And I'm surprised that he's done so well because I didn't think Tottenham fans would take to him because he had a failure at Chelsea. But I'm really pleased for him and I hope Tottenham go on and, and get that third spot. There you go. That's the one thing. He basically lives on the on, on the training pitch. Uh, Gab, here's one for you. Uh, the transfer window just opened. Uh, is there going to be a massive deal or are you going to say the biggest deal's already been done? It's already happened. It's Lucas Moura to Paris Saint-Germain and I'm kind of shocked how, I guess because we knew that this was going to happen in the summer, people sort of all forgot about it. Now, whether it'll work for PSG, um, I don't know. Obviously, Ancelotti's got, uh, it hasn't worked perfectly for him. He's got too many good players and he's struggling to get them to fit, whatever. But I think this guy is the real deal. Um, and uh, I think it'll have a huge impact in terms of the Champions League as well. That's all we've got time for this week. It's been fun and it's been real and it's been real fun. Thanks to my guests, uh, Tony Evans, uh, Ollie Kay, and Stuart Robson. You can come find us on Twitter to share your thoughts, or as so many of you do every week, please email us at gamepodcast at thetimes.co.uk. Uh, that mailbox does get full very quickly, Skinner, so let's make sure we clear it every 48 hours or so. You can go to thetimes.co.uk for all your news, views, web chats, blogs, analysis. Tony and I are on Twitter, as is Ollie. Stuart hasn't got the Twitter bug yet, which is probably why he's wiser and has more hair than the rest of us. Till next time, bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.